Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Right here on Ball Don't Lie. My man Patrick is speaking to you. DJing these jams on a smooth soul Monday. He's talking to you, Cowboys fans. All right? He's letting you know. Someday. Someday. All right? You're going to walk together. The beautiful sun. I don't know when the day's going to be, though. I think we begging, dog. We begging. <laughs> It'll happen. Trust me, guys. It'll happen. Don't worry. He's, and these aren't dark days, by the way. They're not. You, you got first world problems. You went to the divisional round and lost. You're not the right. Texans. You won a road playoff game. Yeah. Excuse me. We won a road playoff First game. First time in 30 years. You yeah. won 12 games. You had better weekends than some teams. Back-to-back double-digit win seasons for the first time in 15 years. Yes. All right. You beat Tom Brady for the first time in the history of the organization. You beat the GOAT. Yes. All you right. put him on his retirement tour. He might so be we done. think. Maybe. Maybe. So we think. Hopefully. All right. You so, may have made Tom Brady go back to his family. <laughs> <laughs> you made him miss his family. Uh, I don't think so because she's on the beach in Costa Rica with her jiu-jitsu partner. Yeah. Yeah, she's oh, good. I saw that. Yeah, she's was, good. She was like jogging with him during the game. Yeah. She that was that was a statement. Yeah. <laughs> you she was letting you know. She was like, uh, you know what? No, she needs distraction. Like, I don't want to be in here when the game's on. Let's right. go do something. Because people are gonna be looking at me. Yeah, yeah. Let's go, let's go work out and then let's yeah. go do get it on. Go, yeah, let's go, <laughs> let's go do us. <laughs> let's go work out, let's go work out. Uh, but yeah, fifth playoff win in the last 27 years. Thank you. All right, come on. Positivity somewhere. So it's not it's not all doom and gloom. You just need to make the necessary adjustments organizationally so that you can get over the hump and get to the Final Four and then get to the big game. No doubt. To the promised land. That's all you got to do. We need some help. Right there. You've been knocking on the door for the last two years. The 49ers are in your way. The 49ers are in your way a little bit. You got to knock on the The 49ers were the ones with the ring camera that was looking at them talking about. You can't come here. You <laughs> please leave my please yeah. you then, leave the area. But then if the it wasn't the 49ers, it would be the Eagles. Yeah. Let's talk about this. First of all, let, let's talk about the Eagles and the 49ers in terms of their organizational culture. I'm serious. Let's talk about this. Because I do think it's something the Cowboys, and this may not be anything that you can fix or resolve overnight because you have a very unorthodox hierarchy of leadership. Everybody understands that with mm-hmm. Jerry Jones being the owner and the GM and all that kind of stuff. But with Will McClay and Steven Jones being more influential lately, you cannot deny the Cowboys are stockpiling some talent. And they're doing it probably with the most homegrown recipe in the NFL. Nobody all right, has a more homegrown roster than the Cowboys. 
All right, that that's, and that's a good and a bad thing. Correct. They just don't really. They need to you utilize all possible options to acquire the most talent. They don't. They use mostly the NFL draft. We can talk about that at another time. Let's talk about the 49ers and the Eagles just really quickly, and not necessarily their uh, games in the uh, divisional round, but as an organization. So the 49ers are going to their sixth NFC title game in the last 12 years mm-hmm. with two different head coaches and four different starting quarterbacks. They, they've gone with uh, Alex Smith, then they went with Kaepernick twice, went with Garoppolo twice, and now they're going with Purdy. And obviously the Cowboys have not been there in the last 27 years. Philadelphia. Philadelphia is going to their the NFC title game for the seventh time in the last 22 years. Three times in the last 15 years, three different head coaches. <laughs> Doug Peterson, Andy Reid, and now Nick Sirianni. Uh, and three different quarterbacks, by the way, too. Yep. They did it with mul- multiple different quarterbacks. Um, and my point is this, because even Kansas City has some of this, too. Those organizations have something in common with the Cowboys in that they, those organizations saw themselves hit what they believe was a ceiling with their QBs mm-hmm. at one time or another. It happened with Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers. Actually, happened twice before now. It's happened with Jimmy Garoppolo, and they said, "No, we're going. We're going all in on Trey Lance. Mm-hmm. We got to. We got to get to. We got to get a quarterback with a higher ceiling than Jimmy G. Because we've been there with Jimmy G, and he can't lead us to the promised land. Same thing with Alex Smith. Right? They had Alex Smith. Alex Smith was winning games for him, going to NFC title game. Like, no, no, no. We need a quarterback with a higher ceiling. That's going to be Kaepernick for us. Right. Higher ceiling. Got to get a guy with a higher ceiling. They they were in the position. Not 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 quite in the same position. Salary cap wise, money wise, different things. All right. Um, but they decided, mm, now the quarterback that we got is our franchise guy. We might have either made a mistake or we didn't realize how limited he was. And we thought he had a higher ceiling. So right. we're, we're going to start over. We're willing to do that. Um, Philadelphia has done it multiple times. I mean, Philadelphia recently did it with Carson Wentz. Thought, thought we had a guy. We drafted him real high. Oh, you know what? He ain't our guy. <laughs> uh, big blank Nick can do it. You know what? Jalen Hurts. Uh, you're going to be the guy. Yeah. And it, it goes back to kind of an organizational culture. Hell, the Kansas City Chiefs did it. They, Alex Smith. Sorry, Alex. Like I'm picking on you. <laughs> not. Happy to get with Alex Smith. They, they were doing just fine with Alex Smith. He, he became they, the Drew Bledsoe of getting yeah. a quarterback ready. Because Drew Bledsoe had Tony Romo. Drew Bledsoe had Tom Brady. He ends up moving on. And the quarterback after him good point. is the predecessor. Yeah, no, it's a good yeah. point. Uh, my point is about the organizations, though. They decided, nah, Patrick Mahomes has a higher ceiling. We got to get a quarterback with a higher ceiling, even though they had already decided who their franchise quarterback. I'm not saying the Cowboys need to do this with Dak, but I'm saying it is it is something they should discuss. If they're right. not discussing it as an organization, then they're not a healthy organization. And there is a good chance they're not even discussing it as an organization either. And those teams, these these different uh, football organizations, they have all pivoted at one point from their uh, whatever perceived franchise quarterback or their projected franchise quarterback or whoever that franchise quarterback was. So it's not, I'm just saying it's not totally out of the realm of possibility. It has happened before. Um, And for the Cowboys, I think organization, we can talk about this. They just don't draft enough quarterbacks. Facts. I mean, they have drafted the fewest amount of quarterbacks in the NFL since 2000. Mm-hmm. They've only drafted five, and they are tied with the Kansas City Chiefs for the fewest. The Indianapolis Colts have drafted six. Now, what's the difference between those organizations and the and the Cowboys? I think those they have an actual GM. 
That is also true. <laughs> they have actual <laughs> GMs. But they have, I would say, they've had more stability at the quarterback position. That's why they haven't drafted as many, right? The, the, the Saints have drafted seven in that time span, but they had Drew Brees forever. Uh, Indianapolis had uh, Peyton Manning forever. Then they had Andrew Luck right after that. That's why they haven't drafted as many. In Kansas City, um, they had stability because they brought in um, with Andy Reid, and he brought in Alex Smith, and they've had Patrick Mahomes ever since. The Cowboys have just been lucky. When it comes to quarterback, very much so. They they lucked upon um, having a, a, a undrafted free agent at quarterback in Tony Romo, and we know they lucked out with Dak mm-hmm. because they wanted Paxton Lynch and Connor Cook before him. They couldn't get those guys, so they settled on Dak. Dak ended up being the starting quarterback for him. Dak is he? Dak is a happy accident. Dak's like Viagra. All right, he was a happy accident. They did not intend on Dak for being their franchise quarterback. A happy accident. But nobody intended on Viagra being Viagra. Remember, Viagra was a heart. It was a cardiovascular drug yep. for angina, I believe. It was like mm-hmm. that's like to treat some cardiovascular disease. And then all the patients kept waking up with a surprise. Yep. And they went, "Hey, you know what? This is a great byproduct. <laughs> this is a happy accident going on right there." That's what Dak was. Yep. Dak was a happy accident. They know they were going to wake up and Dak was going to be their franchise quarterback. They had him third string. So, but by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. Tom Brady, happy accident. <laughs> there's a lot of quarterbacks out there that are just happy accident. Hey, you might be a happy Brock accident. Purdy Brock is Purdy is a happy accident. Happy accident, all yeah. right? You might be born right now as a result of a happy accident as well. It just happens, all right? Hey, Those are great things. But the Cowboys have had multiple happy accidents at quarterback, and it has really distorted their view of the position, and they don't really have a healthy um, quarterback approach, and that's why they've drafted so few of them. Yeah, because they're just, just they think the football gods will always take care of them when it comes to quarterback. Now it, they have taken care of them. Dak is a good quarterback, but I think they, they they are basically kind of relying on happy accidents when a lot of other teams operate in a different way. San Fran has drafted thirteen quarterbacks since two thousand, the most. New England thirteen, the most. And New England has done it and drafted different quarterbacks because they know, you know what, we could find the next Tom Brady among this group. And that's why they've drafted tons of quarterbacks. Even when Tom Brady was on the roster, they drafted nine quarterbacks when he was already a Super Bowl winning franchise quarterback because they were looking for the next Tom Brady. And I think it's just a healthy way to approach the quarterback position. Cowboys do not operate that way. No, not at all. And they never have. I mean, the last one that you can go back and say was – Dak, not Dak Prescott, uh, but Troy Aikman. Troy Aikman was the last one that they actually went out and drafted, and that was Jimmy Johnson. But if you look at the Cowboys' um, quarterback's winning percentage, Troy Aikman is 57%, but he won Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. He, had a, he had great teams around him, but he's had a 57% winning percentage. Tony Romo, six four, uh, 61%. Roger Staubach, 74%. Dak Prescott is fourth, well, not fourth, but he's in that realm where he is 62%. Danny White was 67%. Don Meredith was 58%. Craig Morton, 69%. And Quincy Carter was 51% winning percentages. That, 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 that tells you everything you need to know about the Dallas Cowboys and their quarterback. You, you look at Troy Aikman and you look at uh, Roger Staubach. Those are the guys that were your true quarterbacks, your true leaders, the guys that you were going to battle with. But Tony Romo, everybody loved Romo, but Romo was the same way. He was turning the ball over, making mistakes. But to your point, you got luck. He was a miracle. That's how you got him. 
But I I played with two Dallas Cowboy quarterbacks before, Drew Henson and Chad Hutchison. They were playing baseball before they came and played quarterback for the Cowboys. There are some things that you have just hit on that tell you everything. The Cowboys need to continue to draft quarterbacks. They never make it a priority. I've been saying it for the backup quarterback. I've been saying it for years. Why are you not prioritizing that? to where it's something that you need every single year. Every, what do you always talk about? People, there's no exact science on the quarterback position. Nobody knows You're still doing. trying to figure it out. Yep. The yep. only people that have gotten it right that you can really sit there and you say it, Joe Burrow's proven to be that guy, and Andy Reid when he went and got Patrick Mahomes. He traded up to go get him. You didn't. You wouldn't have thought that when he was at Texas Tech. You knew he was talented, but he wasn't winning. He wasn't win- He went ten and seventeen at Texas Tech. No, his coach was Cliff yeah, Kingsbury. That's too, true huh? too. Yeah. How do you lose with that guy? Sometimes, sometimes you're being held back. True that. Uh, by true those, that, Roger. But no, I, I think for the Cowboys, I'm not saying that they either need to pivot from Dak. It should be discussed. I'm not saying it needs to happen, but it, as an organization, it's just a a really healthy conversation to have about whether he's hit his ceiling or what needs to be provided for him support-wise to help him become a better player and uplift the ceiling of the entire team. Um, But also, yeah, I mean, you should study, like football theorists do, study the other organizations, the successful organizations in the NFL, and see what they've done in similar situations. And we've seen some really quality organizations decide to pivot. They go, "Ah, you know what? It's not working. We're we're right there, but it's not working. And I don't think next year is going to be any different. We need to we need to pivot. We got to go somewhere different. And they're they've they've 49ers have done it. Philadelphia did. Mm-hmm. It. Kansas City did. It. I'm not saying the Cowboys need to, but having that discussion will lead you to other possible solutions. Um, and so I, for the Cowboys, I will say this too. I, and I think Mike McCarthy, him coming there, has also helped them become a better kind of a quarterback uh, quarterback oriented. Um, uh, organization is the best way to say it because they've drafted now more quarterbacks when Mike McCarthy has come in. They should you should always just be drafting quarterbacks, whether it be late rounds or middle rounds, because you just never know. Brock Purdy yeah. is a great example. Tom Brady is a great example. You should always be just drafting a developmental quarterback or an insurance policy, or hell, maybe you're even drafting a quarterback for a specific situation like two point conversions. You want? I thought Jalen Hurts was kind of drafted for that specific purpose early on. That they wanted a mobile quarterback, they wanted someone who could complement their running game, um, and then turns out, oh, now he's in the MVP conversation. Yeah, because nobody knows what the hell they're doing when it comes to quarterback. So just draft as many of them as you can and see where the chips fall. Because they didn't know Dak was going to be this, and Dak has exceeded his draft position. Yep. But now has Dak hit his ceiling? Is the question. And that has been the question for quite some time. It just you sit here and you look at uh, what the Cowboys have done with a lot of their talent and the lack thereof and made the adjustments as they've gone out, has he hit a ceiling? There's a strong possibility that he may have. But again, it was what you talked about. Just like any relationship, sometimes if you're not getting better, even though the numbers will tell you Mm -hmm. they have done well together, but sometimes you need a different voice in the room. It gets stale. You need to understand that you need to make adjustments along the way. How is it that you don't understand who you are as a quarterback? I mean, as a as a offense, when your quarterback is struggling and you're not helping them get out of that, 
We need to do something else. But you also need to get into the psyche of what are you seeing to make you think that that guy is open? Like what? It, what? what is being set up to where when you drop back and you're looking <laughs> at a certain area and you're having trouble against the zone. It's been, it's been documented. You have had bad luck against the zone. What are you doing wrong at this point? Because this isn't who you are. This is this season was out of character for him, mm-hmm. big time. They this was seriously out of character for him, and I believe him. I said this earlier. I do believe him when he says, "I'm not going to play like that again." You're right because if you start playing like that again, they may have to make a change, bro. Can I give you a stat? About, Come on about that. Come on to that point. He's never gonna play like that again, and I agree. He before this season, he's like top five lowest interception rate. Um, from like 2016 to 2021. So it is out of character for him to turn the ball over this much, 17 picks. But here's a Dak stat, and the Dak haters love this stat. Dak has not had back-to-back games without a turnover mm-hmm. for 49 straight games. Yeah, so you knew it was happening. Dak has <laughs> n- so you knew what was Dak happening. Has not, I repeat this stat. <laughs> Dak has not had back-to-back games without a turnover. Interception or lost fumble for 49 straight games. His last multi-game stretch without a turnover was the last two games of the 2018 season and the first game of 2019. Aye, aye, aye. And like I said, you have to, in the, in the playoffs, you got to play, you got to win four straight against tougher elite competition week after week. Mm-hmm. And you got to play your best football four weekends in a row. Big Dak energy four weeks in a row. And I'm not sure Dak can do that. I think Dak can give you two out of four against elite competition deep yeah. in the playoffs. I think he, he just gave us one, gave, gave you one out of two here in this, <laughs> right, in this playoffs. He did. He gave you one against you Tampa Bay. was amazing. Yeah. But in this one, we should have known better. You got big Dak energy there, and you got small Dak energy. Hey, I'll, I'll accept average Dak. Can you get average, an average Dak? All right. Can you rise to the occasion? No, plenty of Come on, man. Um, but my, you get my point, though, right? I don't think he can go four get straight games giving you big Dak energy. I don't think that's in his game. You, he, and now I think that's why you say maybe he he's hit his ceiling. Right. Because I don't know. And, and he didn't do that last year, and I don't know if, if he's ever going to be that guy. I, but, again, sometimes you got to take the reins from him. I mean, I granted he's the he's your franchise quarterback. You giving him the money. We understand who he is, right? That is it. But what do you do to make it better for him? Take it away from him. You lost your running game yesterday. There was no place for it. We couldn't find it. And then you put the ball in his hand to where you're making him throw it because of what you said. You're the franchise, bro. This is the time for you to put yourself out there. This is your moment. And I honestly thought he was about to have that moment until I saw that that pass where it almost went pick six. Oh. I was like, there's no way. He he panicked. He did. He panicked. And I can't defend him like that anymore. But the fact of the matter is, he is your quarterback. He He's is. not leaving, guys. You're going to be mm-hmm. mad at him. You're going to talk bad about him. Doesn't matter. He's yours. He's mine. It's going to be what it is. Can we be happy? We can. We've had happy moments with him. We've seen great moments with Dak. You just said it. Tampa you talked about Tampa it's Bay. Amazing. It was great to see that. Oh. But then we've also had the helter-skelter mindset of where he's throwing the ball in the flat and somebody's about to take it pick six. Yeah, that first pick, 
had to be a miscommunication between he it and Gallup. It definitely was Gallup. But it's it was still it, late. It's like week twenty. Yeah, you got a miscommunication on the on the on the option route in week twenty. I understand in week four, five, week twenty, and by the way, it was happening in week four or five too. Do you believe We're in Gallup? We're still having though? sight adjustment issues. But Gallup is, seems to be that guy. Come on, guys. I mean, that Gallup has had some of a season to forget. To be quite honest with you, no, I'm with you. That was a frustrating pick because, yeah. yeah, Dak. I don't know what I, he was not open. No, so Dak was Dak. Uh, assumed that his wide receiver would be there because he was not open. And obviously, one, Dak, or both, the receiver made the wrong And he read. didn't even fight for the ball. Like, Gallup didn't even try to fight to come back. Even when he intercepted it, Gallup wasn't even coming to make the tackle. I'm like, help him. Do yeah. something. At this point, you should expect a pick. So be ready to make a tackle somewhere. Yeah. CD made a good tackle when, uh, yes. yeah, when, yes. uh, when Green, no, sorry, not Green Law, but uh, when Fred Warner got Where that Fred pick. Warner, yeah. Jimmy Ward knocked it up and he ended up getting that pick. He came back and made it. And by the way, CD Lamb, dog. Yeah, he played. He Man, played CD well. CD Lamb was ready Busted for the Busted his moment. finger and still came back and was making plays. 10 for 117. Yeah. You brought up a good point about the Cowboys running game, which obviously disappeared when Tony Pollard got hurt. Uh, but it should have been. I, th- I think about the Bills Bengals game. Where the Bengals are, are, are missing three mm-hmm. starting offensive linemen, mm-hmm. and they still run the rock. Joe Mixon had twenty rece- twenty rushes for one hundred five. Yeah, buddy. Uh, I mean, since they had, I think they rushed for one hundred seventy two yards as a team. Uh, man, that to me, if you're the Cowboys, if you're a Cowboys fan, you are a little disappointed that you weren't. And that's, this is by the way one of the best defenses in the league. Forty nine, I know that. Um, but but that the running game just fell off a cliff that you had. Basically, Dak became your running game yep. after Tony Pollard left. Or it was just they had nothing that they could. Yeah, Zeke, there was no. Yeah, there was nothing helping them. Zeke's a shell of himself. Yeah, so. Zeke's a short yardage back, so I'm not blaming Zeke. By the way. And I kept thinking, but remember, I told you last week that the way that his knee brace was looking, it looks like he has not been healthy for quite some time. That is a huge knee brace that he has on his leg, and he tries to cover it up. So. He's probably been – we're going to probably hear here shortly that he's been playing the whole year with something torn in his knee because he doesn't have that explosiveness that right. he once had. And we know he was regressing, but he he couldn't cut at all, which is rare for him because at least in certain areas he would at least try to make a cut. I, I, I have a feeling we're going to hear that something was wrong with Zeke all year. You could be. Um, yeah, because the running game, it really did suffer. Uh, no question about it. All right, uh, real quick, I want to go to the B- the Bengals-Bills matchup. Uh, Bengals beat the Bills 27-10 to 10, uh, without three of their starting offensive line. The Cincinnati defense, guys. Yep. It, I mean, Lou Anarumo, the defensive coordinator, needs to be given a lot more props. And he should be – I don't know why is he not going to any head coaching interviews. Yeah. He should be yeah, after what he did. Wondering to Pat- that too. Right? Patrick Mahomes, remember he embarrassed him last year in the yep. playoffs? They held Buffalo with 325 total yards, 4 of 12 on third down. Mm-hmm. And they held them to their fewest point total of the season. Stephen Diggs had four receptions for 35 yards. That's it. Yeah, he was angry about that on the sideline too, by the way. Yeah, he was. Yeah. <laughs> you saw that. That was a magnificent defensive game plan by mm-hmm. Cincinnati, man. And, yeah, they made the Bills look mediocre. I don't yep. think anybody's made the Bills offense look that lackluster all season long. Can we talk about Josh Allen and how bad he looked during Amen, that game, brother. too? Go ahead. I mean, because everybody wants to light up Dak, and rightfully so, but Josh Allen has been 
detrimental to his team's success as well. He's been missing a bunch of throws and Mm -hmm. can't say anything about the snow or anything like that. He played a bad football game. And and his criticism needs to be elevated as well. That's your franchise quarterback, Buffalo Bills fans. And he he had 30, what, 33 uh, turnovers this year? 16 intercept, well, 17 interceptions, including playoffs. And of course, yeah. he had the 16 fumbles as well this year. Three we last lose, we week. We didn't lose them all. Right, but yeah, three lose. last week. I think he lost like seven or eight. Yeah. Like that, but still. But he's, he's your putting your. He's, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's definitely somebody that if you're a Buffalo Bills fan, and it goes back to your point about what you said about Dayball the other day. He was the biggest reason why he had so much success because he was probably on him about being careless with the football. Yeah, there's there's so many plays that were left out there in the big moment. He didn't show up, and they needed him in that big moment. But Joe Burrow, Joe Shiesty, the quarterback <laughs> that just does not care uh, what the situation is, he believes in his team, and they find a way. That relationship that he has with Jamar Chase and his relationship with Hurst, the tight end. He was able to get the ball to so many different playmakers that it is very impressive to watch him go to work and move the ball around the field. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, he's amazing. And, man, if you're Buffalo, I mean, what bigger sign do you need than, hey, man, we play in Buffalo and we don't have a run game, so when it starts to snow and our quarterback starts to struggle, we have absolutely nothing we can go at, and every defensive coordinator knows they can just pick on him because there's nothing else we can do? Yep. You have to be able to run the ball in the playoffs. Yep. Yeah. And that's when Tony Pollard went down, he went, oh, man, they can't run the ball. That is a huge problem in the playoffs. The Bills, and you're just like, man, this has been a problem for years, and he was still not addressed whatsoever. That's great you, At the end, you were like, we'll get Naheem Himes. That's, that was our go-to. Who were not, they didn't even play, but you have to be able to run the ball. I think he had 60 rushing yards, and that's with a running quarterback. Yeah, yeah you're right. Uh, they need to trade up and get Bijan. If I'm Buffalo, that'd be my one well, of my top things as an exec. I'm trading up for Bijan. Hey, like I'd I'm love to have Bijan, but even that, you go, you in the second round, take a good running back. No, I know, but you're close, and you yeah. just, you need a guaranteed game changer. Close. You're close. Yeah. You need a guaranteed game changer. Bijan's a guaranteed game changer. Yeah. I trade up to go get Bijan, and you're probably got to trade up that much. Yeah, trade up with the mid first yeah. round, something like that. They because they need him back. To your point, they need him back. They need him back. Somebody's gonna get fired if they don't address it soon. To Patrick's point, eleven losses for the Bills since 2021. Uh, players not named Josh Allen have averaged 57 rushing yards per game in those 11 losses, and Allen has been the leading rusher in eight of the 11 losses in the last seven of those losses. The, it's the yeah. same trend over and over again. Fix it. Fix it. The problem is they have a good <laughs> running back in James Cook. The, they don't ever have him run the ball. Every time he's touched the ball, he's had some splash plays. He's been, he's been the one that they've been using on the short yardage or, or trying to get first down. But they, he is talented enough. He averaged 5.7 yards per carry this year. 89 carries, 502 yards. But they stopped giving him the ball because maybe it's Josh Allen. Maybe Josh Allen is checking out of plays. Maybe Josh Allen wants to run. Ken Dorsey, who's up for job interviews, maybe he's missing the, the opportunities as well. There's so many things that is wrong with Buffalo when you look at it. That defense deserved better yesterday. That yeah. defense deserved better because they were on the field a long time. Yeah, that was their worst performance, yeah. too, yeah. by the way. Their rush defense was really bad. They allowed 2.6 yards before contact to Joe Mixon. Uh, they were allowing 0.8 yards before contact per carry, which was the third best in the NFL. So they just got 
pounced in that yeah. game as well. All right, what you got coming up for the people on Hard Knock Life? I'm going to talk a little bit more about the Dallas Cowboys and what are the expectations? What's next? What's next for the Cowboys? And mm. it may not even be that much, but there's got to be something. Gotta be, it's got to be something better it's than this. It's got to be something better than this, man. <laughs> it's got to be better than this. When are we going to get to the good part? Yeah, when are we going to get to the good part? <laughs> All right, we'll come back and talk about that. Ed Moore right here on Ball Don't Lie, wonderful the Horn. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Enjoy Cover 3 spectacular 1-2-3 happy hour. Enjoy dollar off wines by the glass and draft beers. $2 off cocktails and $3 off shareables. Ladies and gentlemen, guys and dolls, the main event of the evening for your entertainment and pleasure. Mike, you have to be so combative. Yeah, I probably wouldn't say this in front of white folk, but in front of your own speak my man. He has emotional anger issue problems. Hey, are you dirty Mike and the boys? I'm Mike Lowry. Michael! Oh, that's funny. Michael! Welcome back to Smooth Soul Monday edition of Ball Don't Lie. And it's definitely been smooth for our soul. Uh, but we love it when you're a part of the show. Hit us up on the Specs text line, 512-337-3776. This is your boy, Harbaugh Hard. You can follow me on Twitter, at Harbaugh Hard. You can follow my man, Rod Babers, at Rod Babers. And you can follow the man behind the glass that's in charge of all of this is our man at It's Patrick Davis. Now, when you sit here and you look at what's going on, and, and I'm glad – that my man, Rob Babers, looks out for me. He just tries to give it to me real. He brings the stats, and he tries to shine a little ray of hope mm-hmm. for the Dallas Cowboys Damn every right. once in a while. He's, he's, a, he's a Houston Texans fan, but he no definitely hope. pays attention to the Dallas Cowboys and what's going on with them. But we have to try to look at this as a whole. The Dallas Cowboys went back-to-back years with 12 wins. We were dealing with what we were talking about mediocrity when we were going eight and eight. We were winning divisions with eight and eight. That's to me is being a mediocre team. When you win 12 games in the NFL, regardless of how we got there, that's legit. You are the third best team in the NFC. We've been talking about it all year. We said that Philadelphia, they were on their run early in the year and they looked to be one of those teams that you wanted to pay attention to because they looked like they had things rolling. We had fans uh, hitting us up on the Specs text line the entire year talking about how they're fake. They're not real. They're not a real team. They're, wait till they start playing the heart of their schedule. And what did they do? They just kept winning. Mm-hmm. They just kept winning. We looked at San Francisco, and you say, man, that defense is good. They're getting healthy. They lose two quarterbacks, but they, they make a trade that we talked about at the beginning of the show where they brought in one of the best players in the NFL in Christian McCaffrey, and then they started rolling. They had contract problems with Debo Samuel. He didn't even want to be with that team. Mm -hmm. He comes back in, and he's a valuable part of their success. But most importantly, their defense played well for them. So you look at those two teams, and they're playing for the championship, and the Cowboys were right there. And again, I understand why Cowboy fans are upset because of the fact that you saw the plays were there to be made, and it gave you the opportunity to upset the apple cart. 
And I'm down with that. And I'm down with the anger. But let's be honest. Aren't we used to this? Isn't this who we have become? But I'm not happy about it. I'm upset about it. I'm still going to come in here and look at my man Dak Prescott, who I've been saying, I've been defending him the entire year. But as I continued to watch this game, I knew that there were some things that were going to be missed. But I want to give some love out to some of the players that played well during this time and during this season. And when I say these players' names, y'all are going to have to agree with me. Boom. Micah Parson is a stud. We knew that last year, but he did not disappoint this year. Dude played through injuries. He played through a busted hand that he clubbed up from an accident that he had away from the field. And he still showed up going through double teams, through triple teams, and all he cared about was winning. Another dude that played well this year was Demarcus Lawrence. Oh, yeah. He balled out again. He played good yesterday. They were that that entire defense played well. Played well. We found out also that C.D. Lamb is a guy. We didn't know coming into the season. We kept trying to figure out, is C.D. that is, is, is he going to show up and make mm-hmm. that happen? Well, we got to give him his props. He did. he did that. Yes, he did. He did that. Big games, he showed up, and he continued to make plays. LVE, wow, what did we talk about? We're going to have to sign him. You're going to have to sign him back. You're going to have to give him some money mm-hmm. because I was one of the first people, again, Two people that I did not like in the draft, LVE and Tyler Smith. Both of those guys have shown me the way. They have impressed me the entire season. The safeties overall, Donovan Wilson, J. Ron Curse, and you notice how most of the people that I'm talking about are on the defensive side of the ball. Hey, they balled out. <laughs> they, they, they showed up, out, and you've been talking about it, and it's funny, Rob, because during the game yesterday and the pregame, Everybody kept talking about positionless football. Mm-hmm. Every every announcer, oh, yeah. positionless new, football. Oh, yeah, it's a term now. Yeah. It's out there. And they were out there mm-hmm. making plays, and I loved it. And I know everybody's been talking about Dalton Schultz, and I've heard everyone say, should he get him, should he not? I'm a big fan of Ferguson. I've already told you that. I think Hendershot is going to be another guy. How much money do you truly want to mm-hmm. spend on the tight end position if you are truly trying to change the narrative of this football team yep. and you're going to have to go out and get an actual deep threat playmaker that's going to be in that slot that can take a little bit of this pressure? Because what we did see, Michael Gallup is not that dude. He made some plays here and there, but when the chips were on the line, he wasn't one that was showing up. He didn't make a lot of plays. T.Y. Hilton, thank you for coming in, bro. Mm -hmm. But you tired too. You need to get up out of there. We still didn't use Kevontae Turpin, and that was a player that I thought that Kellen Moore should have been more creative with in trying to get him involved in the offense, especially at the point where you had Tony Pollard go out. So are you going to tell me he don't know how to run a route? You're going to tell me he can't be in the backfield to go and make some plays coming out of the backfield? I I got a chance the other night to watch Trevor Lawrence and uh, Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk went in the in the, the backfield. They put Jamichael Hasty all the way out on the boundary hmm. and got him singled up with a linebacker. And Trevor Lawrence threw a touchdown pass right over the linebacker. With Christian Kirk coming out of the backfield. Yes, all that. Why can you not be creative like that? 
That's those are some of the things that we always talk about. The complimentary part about it is when you look at other people's offenses and bring it into yours. Mm-hmm. That's what I was thinking too. What are you not seeing? Why are you not watching some of the concepts that Kyle Shanahan draws up to get his guys open in space, especially when you are losing some of your best players in this situation? That's the frustrating part for me. And then I want to also look at um, Dak's lack of execution was the biggest problem that I had last time. It's the worst that I've seen by him in quite some time, and I know a lot of people are going to sit here and say, Mike, it's been happening for for a couple years now. It hasn't been happening like this. Not like this. It has not been happening no. at this rate of interceptions. And you, some, uh, one of the texters was like, he probably could have threw more interceptions. You dog all right. He probably could have threw more interceptions oh, yeah. in that game. But if you go back and you look at the, the next-gen stats – there's no separation for any of his wide receivers. Mm-hmm. We've talked about that. Yeah. Uh, we had our man Clarence Hill. Chill was on mm-hmm. with us, and he said, people act like that's news. We've been saying that from the very beginning, but nobody wanted to believe that. There was not very many much separation on any of his past plays. And I said this before, and I'm going to continue to say it, and it's frustrating to me that when we know that with play action, he is so much better. So much better than what he is without it. But you continue to try to put him in a situation where he's not that dude. We all knew that from the very beginning. He's not He's not that guy. So mm-hmm. when you look at what we expect from him, it's fair. We expect a lot from Dak because once you get that kind of money, everybody expects you to be Patrick Mahomes. He's not Patrick Mahomes. No way. He's not even close to that. Mm-hmm. He is your franchise quarterback, but put him in the right situation with the right people and use his abilities that he is best at. Mm-hmm. And play action, I don't care what you, what other stats you look at, look at the play action with stat, with, with Dak doing this, as opposed to him just dropping back and just letting it go. That is not who he is. That is not who he will ever be. Never been Let's that. not forget, when he was drafted out of high, I mean out of college, he was a option quarterback. He was running the RPO Mm -hmm. game. Get him back to the RPO where he's had success. I don't know what has happened with Kellen Moore and the development and the, the, the growth of maturation of him, but you cannot put that much on a quarterback that's not capable of handling that. So it's on the coaching staff and it's on Dak as well because Dak is is one of the people that has to be in there in the room because now you are the franchise quarterback, bro. You have a you can go in there and have those tough conversations. I like this, I like this, I like this. I do not like this because those numbers that are ready readily available for mm-hmm. us to see where you have success mm-hmm. and where you don't, they're they're available to you too. Yeah. They're available to you. So for me, moving forward, either they have to figure out what Dak can do with Kellen Moore, or do we have to make another a ch- another change? The decision may be made for you, though, because he may end up getting another job, and that might be the best thing it that happens be. for everybody. Yep. It's almost to the point of the Eric Bieniemy conversation, right? I don't call plays. I call plays. I do not call plays. We know you call plays, but nobody believes you call plays. Now it just thinks that, hey, man, maybe the the relationship, and you talked about it a little while ago, the ceiling between those two 
has maximized it. Mm -hmm. They put up great numbers, but those great numbers do not equate to you getting to the to, to the NFC Championship game. And I don't know if the Cowboys will get there again. I know Jerry's talking about it. He's like, we're going to do whatever we can, and this is going to be our group. Jerry, there's some things that's got to change within the, the front office, too. And maybe it's you stepping down as general manager and letting somebody else do it. Because to me, it's bigger than just Jerry now. I think it's a curse. I really believe that it's a curse because of the way he treated other people along the way. The Jimmy Johnson situation. Firing of Tech Schramm. And I know that everybody is like, wait, what? What? Uh, uh, firing Tom Landry, excuse me. But I believe that now we're in a different position that he needs to take a step away and whether it's Will Clay or you go out and get somebody else to to run this organization, you have to stay, take a step back. Because Jerry, as an owner and a GM, he gets too close to the players. And he's not being truthful. Well, I don't know. Jerry seems to say whatever he wants to. So I'm sure <laughs> those closed-door meetings, he has some truth that comes out of it. But they have not been helping each other that way. So it's been very very frustrating for me as a Dallas Cowboy fan because I've seen the glory days. I've seen the success. I saw the train wreck that we've had with um, uh, Chan Gailey. Chan Gailey was good, but Dave Campo, mm. I've seen those years. I saw the great time. And the other person that ended up leaving, Bill Parcells. Bill Parcells because he was frustrated with Jerry meddling in the picking of the groceries. Let us do our jobs and let them go ahead and make the moves that they need to make. But for me, it has to start in the front office. The front office has to change some of the things that, that they've been doing. And hopefully, hopefully, the Cowboys will make a, dip, a big move this offseason. Mm, yeah, what's the definition of a big move? What do you mean, big move? Well, big move as far as the front office. I'm hoping Jerry will decide to step himself down oh, at this point. I know it's not going to happen. Yeah. I said I hope. That's what your definition of a big move is because that ain't happening. So what other big move are you talking about because that ain't going to happen? Well, they're definitely going to have to go out and try to get a uh, big-time wide receiver. They're going to okay. have to go get an opposite corner of Diggs mm -hmm. because I, I think some of the guys have made some, some big steps like Deron Bland, but there were some different – Ways of looking at no, them. they exposed Deron Bland. They too did, a bit. They yeah. Did. They yeah. set I him up perfectly, too, by the way. But they they exposed. They the set him up too. perfectly yeah. on a bunch of those routes yesterday, and we got a chance to really get to see mm -hmm. him. But he didn't have a lot of help over on the back end on a lot of those pass plays because we were playing the the safe the safeties were playing linebacker depth most of the time yesterday. So he did get exposed. But I think that they need to go get another DB, and they have to get a playmaker on the outside to go with CD Lamb. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think it may need to be a philosophical shift. We'll talk about it obviously a little bit more, but there's so many different ways you can approach this cowboy situation. Whether you're glass half full or glass half empty, most Cowboys fans are glass half empty looking at yeah. this cowboy situation. But I think it's a first world problem. Uh, depends on how close the Cowboys believe they are to getting to the promised land. Good stuff, Harsh Knock Life. We'll come back. Uh, we'll get to uh, off the record. Uh, there is a strange off the record story uh, that I want to address with the people. We'll, br we'll uh, bring that up next segment, and then we'll get back to NFL discussion. All that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn. Thanks. D.D. 
Magadoodoo, I'm sorry, Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Delhi Cat Essen. Well, well, I don't get a day break, they ain't cold. Well, congratulations, continue good sex in, the, good sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! And thing sucks! All right, welcome back to uh, another edition of Off the Record right here on Ball Don't Lie. A few stories I want to get to here. All of them are semi-sports related. Uh, the first comes from the great state of Texas. Uh, Gover- Governor Greg Abbott apparently was on social media last night while watching the Cowboys game and decided to troll Brett Maher. Did you see this? I did. Governor Greg Abbott trolling Brett Maher. After I guess after the uh, the first uh, kick was blocked after that uh, block kick by uh, <laughs> Brett Maher. And it, by the way, a lot of people thought the kick would have missed anyway. They was talking about that on the it broadcast. It seemed low. It seemed low, and it did seem like it and was, directionally challenged. Yeah, it seemed like it was shanked <laughs> a little bit to the yes. left. But a little shankopotamus <laughs> going on. But honestly, best case scenario that they blocked it. I was like, thank God. If, if he misses it, I don't know if he recovers mentally. He would. The yeah. block would have helped you. Like, oh, you know, that was a that was a failure, a wholesale failure. The, if he just missed it, yeah. Oh, that would have been debilitating. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, getting back to it. So after the uh, that kick was blocked, <laughs> Greg Abbott, Governor Abbott, tweets out. I swear I can kick as good as the Dallas Cowboys kicker. Come on, man. Wow. Because if anybody else would have put that out there, there would (laughs) have been a problem. Wow. Right? For those who don't know, uh, Governor Abbott's in a wheelchair. He's been paralyzed from the waist down uh, since like 1984 or something like that. I I do like that he jinxed, he reverse jinxed Brett Maher with that and then he made a field goal afterwards. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He's like, oh, I'll be serious. Like, I'll make your tweet look stupid now. (laughs) (laughs) He did. That's a great point. I like the reverse jinx. That's exactly what happened. All right. So that's out there. Also, uh, speaking of uh, Twitter uh, spats. Uh, Micah Parsons and Debo Samuel apparently got into it <clears throat> via social media. So uh, apparently uh, Debo was quick to gloat about their 1912 win on his Instagram page after advancing to the NFC title game. Um, and he tweets out basically a a picture uh, mocking Parsons saying, this is who I wanted prior to the matchup. Um, and I guess he's talking about, uh, of Philadelphia? I'm not sure. Debo's post included a text graphic of Parsons' quote where Michael Parsons um, basically was saying, don't poke the bear, I believe. Mm. Um, and he was talking about the Cowboys, essentially. Debo's post included a text graphic of Parsons' quote um, alongside, oh, sorry about that. Debo's quote to re- respond was, don't poke the bear, which didn't sit well with Michael Parsons, who responded, um, what did you do today, fam? LOL. Um, but congrats on the win, but don't put me in this weak blank slide. So okay. Basically saying, like, don't be talking crap to me. I yeah. played well. I play, Yeah, I balled out. I'm not like these other days. By the yeah. way, Debo uh, had, what, four receptions for 45 yards, four rushes for 11 more yards. Yep. Debo did not. I mean, Debo basically He was not the big factor. Yeah, eight rushes for, yeah, I mean, eight total touches. And so Donovan he, Wilson touched him up when he tried to run through that hole, too. Yeah, he did. Donovan, Donovan Wilson was Blade laying on. that hat. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where uh, I, I feel Michael on that, but, hey, man, he still lost. I, I'm glad he said congrats on the win, though. Yeah. So he's not too he's not too bitter about it. Man. He's not too much of a sore loser. Uh, another story real quick before we get out of here, also sports-related. This happened over the weekend. Shannon Sharp had to apologize mm-hmm. for an incident that happened at the Laker game. 
So he offered an apology this morning, apologizing for getting into an altercation with several Grizzlies players mm-hmm. and John Morant's, John Morant's dad. He was near the floor because uh, he has floor seats at the Lakers game, or at least he had them for that particular game. He got floor seats for every game. Oh, does he really? Yeah, there you go. pretty much uh, wherever he's at, he's going to be sitting on the floor. All right, there you go. Um, and uh, apparently there was an altercation, uh, nothing physical, but there was a lot of trash talking between the different parties. Uh, <clears throat> and Shannon Sharp said, quote, I want to apologize for my behavior. Um, for the last six and a half years, I've preached accountability and responsibility, and I take full responsibility for what transpired. It does not matter what Dylan Brooks said or how many times he said it. Me being the responsible person, me having the platform that I have, having so many people look up to me, I was wrong. That's fair. So apparently it started with a Dylan Brooks comment about Dylan Brooks being too small to guard LeBron James. Yeah, there was, uh, there was a lot happening. There was a lot going on during that game. But if you if you seen Shannon Sharp on the sideline, he was telling them, come over here, come over here. And Dylan Brooks, doing what Josh Allen does, starts a fight and leave. He was walking <laughs> He was walking to the, to the locker room the entire time while everybody else on the Grizzlies was coming over to Shannon Sharp to get in his face. Yeah, so after Shannon Sharp made the comment to Dylan Brooks, um, that's when his teammates uh, come over there and then there were some Lakers teammates I guess guys who came over there mm-hmm. too and got into it there was no no physicality uh, just a lot of guys talking trash Wolf tickets having to be held back that kind of stuff but yeah this is this is this is kind of strange though for Shannon Sharp I mean I guess he is just a fan talking trash to another team yeah but at some point you you have to be better because like he said he is a personality if anybody else would have been on the sideline, and trust me, I'm a big fan of Shannon Sharp and what he does, but he was wrong. And if any other fan would have done that, they would have had him escorted out of the out of the arena. Well, for just saying, Dylan Brooks, you're too small to guard LeBron because he was basically starting an altercation. That's what I'm saying. No, that's fine. You could talk trash, but when it started to get to that point where everybody was heated, because everybody came yeah. over there, including security. Yeah, and most of the time, all they got to do is say, "Hey, man." That dude, that dude over there is harassing me. They would have tried to escort him out of there. So yeah. that's the only thing for me that I was like, Shannon, you're a personality, bro. That's for people that just like to talk. But your job is to talk. Your job is to be on air to do those kinds of things. You can't be on the front row. Because, again, if it would have been anybody else, they would have been asking him to be escorted out. Yeah. No, and, and the, the reported line was that he called him a blogger. Yeah, and he called him a blogger. He and, didn't that was, and that's what made him mad. I'm like, dude. I've done radio for years. I did podcasting before radio. And every time I did podcasting, it was called a radio show. And every time I do radio, they call it a podcast. <laughs> no one's ever going to get it right. So it doesn't bother me. So, so it's like you're a blogger. You're like, yeah, sure, whatever. I don't yeah. Like, it's just funny. But this is the deal. Man, Shannon, if you have not punched Skip Bayless, until you punch Skip Bayless, yeah. you can't punch anyone else. <laughs> He's first in line. True that. True that. Uh, no, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's a very strange thing. Some people think it's all made up anyway. Yeah, it seemed it seemed so well. They hugged it out afterwards. Some people believe this is theater. So the NBA, the NBA kind of likes this kind of stuff, and that ESPN and First Take like this kind of stuff too. Yeah, could be. I don't know. Uh, Either way, there's a lot of drama. Either way, with Shane Sharp and Skip Bayless and all that. I haven't watched that show in years. Honestly, full full disclosure, haven't watched it in a really long time. Um, So yeah, I don't even really know the culture of it. But they make a lot of news. Right, man. I know Shane Sharp, great tight end. (laughs) 
Great tight end. I'll leave it there. Yeah. <laughs> Great uh, tight end. Leave it there. I agree. If you ain't got something, ain't got nothing nice to say, don't say anything at right. all. All right, we'll come back. We got, actually, not a lot of nice things to say about the Cowboys, but we still oh, got to say it. We'll talk about that and more coming up on uh, Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn.